Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. If you want to be the best possible version of you, you're in the right place. Hey, y'all. Today we have Leslie Crowley. Welcome, Leslie. Hi, thank you. So Leslie has a lot on her resume. She's a nutrition coach. She is a physician assistant in orthopedics. She has done a lot. And when I heard her, oh, she has a podcast too. And when I heard her story, I decided she had to be on the podcast. So Leslie, I have asked most of my guests to kind of um, picture where you were five years ago or 10 years ago and sort of tell us um, you know, what you were going through and what led you to your journey today. That's a lot of information, but I know you have a cool story and um, you told me, well, I'll let you tell it. Yeah. <laughs> you know yourself better than I do. <laughs> I, I do know myself. I'm getting to know myself better every day, <laughs> yeah. which is a good thing for me. Um, so thank you so much for having me on here. It's an honor. And yeah, I will definitely share my story. There's a lot of things in there, like you said, some of it will hopefully impact, you know, another person positively. But so, yeah, a little bit about me. Um, like she said, I'm a full-time PA. I've been a PA now for 10 years. I've done orthopedics the whole time. Um, so, you know, I work for a total joint surgeon. We do hip and knee replacements. So, you know, I feel like sometimes we're, you know, not shunned in the, in the PA world, but, you know, we're just the, the bone doctors, right? Um, so yeah, I've been doing that for 10 years. Let's see, where was I five years ago? Um, or well, even I, 10 years ago, because you told me about ago. you were a peak athlete, a high performance athlete. and Yeah, yeah. So my, my story kind of really starts, I guess, when I was super young then, because I was a really good basketball player. Um, it's still hard for me to even say that, you know, now, but I, I should own it. <laughs> I should own it more than what I do. But so, yeah, I started super young playing basketball, um, you know, traveled for it all the time. That was my life. Um, and I was really, I was really good. I won a lot of awards. You know, I had a full ride scholarship to the University of Michigan. Wow. And um, I earned that when I was a junior in high school, which is a little bit unheard of. Most of the time you don't kind of commit to your senior year, but yeah. they gave me my scholarship er, like early. Um, but then what happened is I, um, I injured my knee and it wasn't an ACL. I had this bony problem and, and it was like a chronic thing. And it finally got to this point where I needed to have a really big surgery. So that was my senior year of high school. And we didn't know how bad, um, the injury actually was, but so long story short, I go to U of M, 
I redshirt my freshman year. And when I say U of M, that's Michigan. You know, some people, if you're, if you're like west of the Mississippi, that's like Minnesota, but no, U of M is Michigan for us. Um, so we redshirted my freshman year and started playing again with the team and I couldn't walk. Like I literally would get done with practice or workouts. My knee would be the size of, you know, a grapefruit or even bigger. Oh, I couldn't wow. walk. It hurt all the time. Um, so I was at this place where I had to make a really big decision. Um, I was, you know, 19 at the time. Yeah. That was my, my whole life. That's all I knew. I, yeah. you know, that's what I had grown up doing. It was my identity. Um, but I was miserable. I was in pain. Like I couldn't walk around campus. Um, you know, and I, I like toughed it out for, you know, three and a half, four months. And then I went and saw the team physicians they did a bunch of studies and um, they said, if you want to walk when you're 30, right? So imagine you're 19, you've worked your entire life to get to this point, to like reach this milestone, you know, to play like division one college basketball. And the doctor says, if you want to walk when you're 30, you have to give it up now. Wow. Um, and so I did, I did, I made the decision. I quit, um, well, I didn't necessarily quit. I made the decision to, you know, give it up because thankfully I had enough forethought or foresight or whatever you mm -hmm. call that to, um, to realize that there's more to life. Like I'm not going to get paid professionally to play basketball. Um, you know, at that time, if you, you know, 15, 20 years ago, right. Yeah. Getting paid as a, as a female to play sports was not really a big thing. So, and I, you know, I was good, but I wasn't like the greatest, Mm -hmm. Um, so I made a decision to quit and it was really hard. Um, and I kind of, you know, made some people in my family, not so happy. Um, like my mom, I, yeah. I mean, I'll, be, I'll be honest. She, she was, she didn't talk to me for like a month. Um, yeah. so that was like super, that was super hard, right? College kid just gave up your, your dream, you know, going through this time. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of where, you know, a little bit of, you know, my story starts, um, mm -hmm. from there, you know, college was great. I had a great college experience. I got to keep my scholarship because I medically disqualified, thankfully. Yeah. Um, and then I went straight into PA school. So mm -hmm. I had always known I wanted to do something medical, whether that be, I didn't know if I wanted to go to med school or PA school or what, but I will say that when I had a, this major surgery, my senior year, the surgeon who did it in Chicago, so I traveled to Chicago to have this done, mm -hmm. had a PA, and that's who I saw. So I saw the PA, I saw her, ah, yeah. all my follow-ups for everything, and I was like, you know what, like, that's a pretty good gig. Um, so that's kind of where my PA, you know, interest started. Um, it's funny yeah. how that injury led you down a path with, you know, an orthopedic PA, and yeah, yeah, so I have a ton of empathy for my patients because I know what it feels like. It hurt, like, I don't know what a knee replacement feels like, but I know what having a bum leg feels like. I know what it feels like to be in pain. Like, and you know, and I thankfully don't have pain every day now uh, if I'm smart, but there are times where it still does act up on me. Mm -hmm. And I like the saying, life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. Yeah. I don't know, if, yeah. And I don't know if you're able to see it that way now that, you know, you took a detour, you didn't really have a choice, but it led you to your profession. It did. It did lead me, you know, to, to where I am today. And, you know, that's 
with other parts of my story too. So let's, you know, get into PA school, graduate, start my first job and boom, diagnosed with breast cancer. You know, that's the, Crazy. that's the second part of my, you know, my story. Um, and Leslie, you were 25, right? I was 25, like literally had just graduated from PA school. Um, you know, I'm a healthy person, but you know, otherwise, and I was having, so if you're, I don't know if this is all medical people, but if you're in, if you're in medicine, um, I would, I have a prolactinoma. So like, that's like a benign little tumor on my pituitary gland. Yeah. Um, so I was, my prolactin levels, my hormone level was high. Mm -hmm. And so then I was lactating, which, you know, you really shouldn't be doing unless you had a kid, which I didn't have. (laughs) Um, you know, and I'm in PA school. I'm like, oh yeah, it's just my hormones are off. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Um, so then, you know, get my own medical insurance, start with a primary care provider. And she's like, let's get a mammogram. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll do it, whatever. Yeah. Um, lo and behold, they find, um, ductal carcinoma in situ. Wow. So, yeah. So thankfully it was super early. Um, yeah, but imagine that, right? 25, just graduated, starting your first job, yeah. and months from getting married, and then diagnosed with cancer all at the same time. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is this real life? Um, your life kept throwing up these roadblocks and these detours. Okay. And, yeah. you know, some of us choose certain paths, but yours was <laughs> just sort of redirected. <laughs> Yes, multiple, there's been multiple redirections and, and it's all part of like, it's all part of the process, right? I mean, we don't really, sometimes we don't get to choose, you know, we just have to go through it and know that it's, you know, part of the, part of life. It's part of my journey. It's part of my process. And I wouldn't be the woman I am today without all of these things. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. It's taken me a long time to get to this point where I feel you know, completely at peace and, Mm -hmm. you know, fulfilled and happy with where I'm at. Um, but yeah, these, these were all part of the, part of the journey. Wow. And so I, I had the bilateral mastectomies. I mean, wow. At 25. Yeah. I had to make that decision. Right. So here, here I am again, like had to make a huge decision at 19, 25. Here I am. Oh, you know, I don't have any kids yet. I have to think like, do I want to have kids? Am I going to breastfeed kids? Do I want that opportunity? Mm-hmm. You know, do I want to have the risk of possibly, you know, having something recur, you know, mm-hmm. 25, the likelihood is pretty high, you know, so I chose bilateral mastectomies. I didn't have to have any chemo or radiation, thankfully. Um, so yeah, just like another, like, you know, blow, right? <laughs> like, wow. uh, that is amazing. Um, yesterday I talked to, um, Robin, a lady who, you know, life, her, her husband got dementia at a pretty young age and passed away. And we were talking about how that changes the course of your life. And I can't imagine how having both breasts removed at 25, how that changes the course of your life. Did you continue working at the same, like you kind of carried on with your career or did it impact you in, in, in other ways? Uh, yeah, I worked, I mean, I took the, you know, a week or so, whatever, (laughs) whatever the required, I don't even remember, you know, that was 10 years ago now. I mean, I know I took some time off, but 
you know, I just, I had literally just started, you know, this is my first job as a PA. And then a couple months in, I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, I need to have like major surgery and all that, you know? Um, But yeah, I took time off, but at the same time, like my mindset at that moment or during that time was, well, one, I was on the, you know, it was a few months out from getting married. So I was planning a wedding and starting a job, like, I didn't really, I just kind of put my nose to the ground and like went through it um, yeah. because I didn't really have any other option. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, like I had the, I had my mastectomies July. Well, I found out about the cancer diagnosis, July 2nd, had my first surgery, July 29th, mm. and then had my, my reconstructive surgery. I, I kind of condensed everything way shorter than what you were supposed to. Um, I had my second surgery two weeks before my wedding. Wow. Yeah. For my reconstructions. That is a lot. That was a bad year for you or a good year, depending. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad. It depends on how you look at it, I guess. Um, you know, again, just kind of part of my story. So, and I know you do a lot of work with mindset. So at that time, did you do you remember having a good mindset? Like, you know, I just have to make the most of this. Or do you remember being like, why me? And um, that's a great question. So during when I was actually going through like the diagnosis, the surgery, you know, the recovery, I had a much better mindset. It was afterwards mm-hmm. um, and not even right away. So it was probably like six months later, a year later, you know, then I started to go through the, um, you know, the victim, like, why me? Like, yeah. why did this have to happen to me? Um, and I don't really know what the, like, the trigger was for that, unless it was just like delayed, right? Because mm-hmm maybe I just kind of shut down when it was actually happening. And then when I finally kind of started working through stuff, I was like, you know, why did this have to happen to me? Like of all the people, like, what have I ever done to, you know, have this and all, you know, mm-hmm. you know how you get when you go into victim mode. Um, yeah. So that, that was, you know, that was definitely a struggle. There was a, a dark couple of years there afterwards mm-hmm. for sure. Had- how do you remember um, moving forward? Like, were there any specific tools? Did you rely on certain things that were or weren't healthy at the time to help oh. you get through that? Yeah, there were some very unhealthy choices that were made. Um, yeah, so I I ended up, so that was what, 2010. So the next couple of years, like I said, were rough. You know, a newly married, you know, things happened in the in the marriage and I ended up, I ended up getting divorced probably three, it was like three and a half years later. Mm -hmm. Um, So at that, leading up to the divorce, um, there was, you know, like I said, a lot of things, which I won't get into that weren't very fulfilling there. Mm -hmm. And I had started to turn to alcohol as a way to cope, right? Yeah. Um, Now, was I drinking like every day? No, no, I wasn't. But um, when I did drink, there wasn't a lot of stopping. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, that was kind of not the greatest choice in the world. Um, yeah. but, but whether it's food or, I mean, a lot of us rely on things to, 
help us get through rough patches, you know, whether it's alcohol or food or just bad choices. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I love food. Like food is always a comfort for me, but during that time it, it was more, you know, when I wanted to forget, when I didn't want to have to deal with like the way I felt about myself, um, it was mainly alcohol that I turned to. So, mm-hmm. but go ahead. How did you, so how did you get through that? Did you, did somebody do an intervention or did you just sort of wake up and realize like, this is not sustainable? Well, there was an intervention that was done for me. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Does that count? That Um, counts. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I had made a, a decision one night, you know, I was stressed. I, you know, working a lot just, you know, like I said, in a kind of a dark patch. And I I vividly remember, um, you know, making a decision driving home one night from work, I wasn't drinking, um, that we had an event to go to. And I was like, I'm just going to get hammered and not care. Mm -hmm. Um, I I remember, like, I remember having that conversation with myself. Um, So I did, I did get like, really, intoxicated that night Mm -hmm. and I was supposed to work the next day and um I didn't wake up for work we started work super early so I had to be there at 6 a.m um and I didn't wake up to get there so I Mm. you know missed getting there and so I I and my phone had died and people couldn't find me they thought you know I had gotten an accident or something they were really worried about me which you know it's, it's really great that people were concerned um so I, you know, I'm, I, as you can tell, I'm an open book. I pretty much tell you, tell you how it is and what, what's going on, which, you know, being super vulnerable on here, but yeah, I told my colleagues what had happened the night before and why I didn't like come into work and all of the things. And, um, I don't know who it is and, and it doesn't matter who it is or what, um, I'm thankful for them now. I'm mm-hmm. grateful for them now, but somebody reported, um, reported me to HR at the wow. hospital where I worked. Um, <clears throat> and you know, I got the, this was still, we still had like the little pagers, you know, um, mm-hmm. now we have, everything comes to our cell phone, which is unfortunate, but back in the day, you know, when we had the little pagers, mm-hmm. um, when you get the page that says, please come to HR ASAP it's never a good feeling. Um, (laughs) so yeah, so that, you know, um, was a, was a real big wake up call. Um, so yeah, I got sober on August 7th, 2013. Yeah. 2013. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, um, been sober ever since. That's great. That's great. What a, that's a tough journey too. I'm sure. Oh yeah, there's a lot more that I could go into there, but I feel like that would be like a whole nother interview because I, yeah. <laughs> I could talk a lot about like that whole process and what's involved. Um, but you know, the long long story short is, you know, I realized that I was making some poor decisions, and guess what? As a as a medical provider, you get paid for your decision making, right? Mm, that's true. But it, when it really comes down to it, what a, you know people come to us for advice and for our decision-making. Yeah. Was part of you even a little bit relieved that, that you didn't have to deal with that, with alcohol anymore, that you were kind of caught and that you were forced to take this other path? 
Yeah. I mean, at the time, no. Right. No, because I was super confused. Like I, I didn't think I had a drinking problem um, because I wasn't an everyday drinker. I was more of a binge drinker and I kind of like rationalized it and justified as like, that's what, that's what people my age do. Right. We're like 27 years old. That's what we do on the weekends Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, most people don't do that like on a Thursday night when they're supposed to be at work the next morning, right? Yeah. So that's where the that's where the problem part of it comes in. Um, and it took me a long like I will be like like I said, I'm very open. It took me a long time, um, like months, to accept the fact that like yeah, that's the problem, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'd always been. This is going back to like my you know my other background too, like. I've always been the person that does the right thing. I've mm-hmm. always been the responsible one. I've always done what people expect of me. And then this was really like the first time in my life where I felt like I really fucked up yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, sorry for swearing. That's part of, part of me. Um, yeah. But I, like, I struggled with that and it took a lot of soul searching. It took a lot of therapy. It took a lot Mm -hmm. of counseling, um, to accept the fact that like, yeah, that's not a, that's not a good way to live. Yeah. Um, Did you have to change your self-talk? Like, did you have to go from, I am this to, I am a recovering, I I guess, I don't know. Do you, would you use the word alcoholic? Cause I still have a hard time with binge drinkers versus an everyday drinker. Yeah. So yeah, I did go through, like I, part of, part of what I had to do was to, you know, be a, be a part of the AA community, which mm-hmm. is a great community. And if, if anybody out there thinks, you know, you need somebody to talk to or, you know, whatever I please like shoot me a message. I am here to help you. Um, so yeah, I was involved in AA uh, for a long time, for years. I haven't been actively involved anymore. Um, but yeah, you do, you do have to change your self-talk. Um, you know, I, I kind of struggled with the, like, it's almost like a label, right? Like, am I labeling myself? But at the same time I was making poor decisions, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. I, I do say like, I'm, you know, uh, I mean, when I was in AA, I would say I'm I'm a recovering alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, I still kind of feel like um, I was more of like a recovering um, binge, you know, binge drinker. And I don't, I mean, is it the same thing? Probably, right? Yeah. It's, um, but yeah, I don't like, I don't consider myself um, like that anymore, right? Yeah. Like, um, but it's did part you, of my story. It's definitely part of my story. It, yeah. Did you find that you, um... So you had that, you had alcohol, which helped, I guess, numb or helped you deal with different things. Did you move towards other things once you gave that up? Or did you find that you just had to deal with your issues through therapy? And um, Initially, right, I was, you know, doing the therapy, going to AA, um, doing all that. But then I think I started to, you know, I would started picking up other hobbies, right? So I started cycling. Um, I was looking for something, right. I had noticed that there was this emptiness 
that sounds like that sounds really bad emptiness is probably right though like a void like there was something like there was something missing Mm -hmm. um and you know so I kind of jumped around trying a lot of different things um cycling was one of them I started getting into like cooking um I joined a network marketing company like to find community um Mm. yeah so there were there was definitely like a lot of you know, figuring out like, what is it? What is it that I, you know, what is it that I want to do? And, and I've always felt that there was something more for me, you know, yeah. um, other than like just being a PA, like, <laughs> yeah. um, which being a PA is amazing, but you know, I, I've always kind of felt that there was something more and that became a lot more clear, right. Once I mm-hmm. kind of worked through all that other stuff. So. Yeah. You got rid of a lot of the clutter and then you could see a little clearer. It sounds like. But y'all, Leslie, I was looking on her Facebook page and she has the most amazing cookies, like these little (laughs) decorated cookies. And I was like, and you're a baker. But you said, Leslie, that that was one of the things that you, when you were looking for whatever it is to fill in the the void or the gap, that was one of the things you tried, right? Yeah. Yep. So I think, uh, let's see, it was like late 2016 when I like joined, um, the network marketing company and that was great. Like I made a ton of friends, um, had a lot of fun. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. It, you know, got, it's part of my story, right. It got me to where I am now. Like, I feel like everything that you go through has to happen, right. Or else yes. you want to see where you are today. It's a journey. So like, I don't regret, I mean, like sharing my story about like getting sober and stuff, like, is that hard to share? Yes and no, because if I didn't go through that, like I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. You wouldn't Um, be the you that you are now. Right. So, so yeah, cookies. So when did the cookies start? So that was probably like 2017. So Mm -hmm. I really like started to get into like, I like to cook. And then I was like, well, let me try making cookies. Like whatever people like I see all these crazily like um decorated cookies out there um they're really hard (laughs) yeah you have like a giraffe cookie (laughs) yeah so they're they're a lot of fun to make like that's where like my creative side comes out um and I never really thought of myself as being creative but you know that was one way it came out so if people are charging you like $4 a cookie for those like fancy decorated yeah. cookies, you're getting a good deal because they take a lot of time to do like the royal icing and like mm-hmm. there's like stencils and you're doing it by hand and then there's the airbrushing. It's like a whole, it's, it's like a whole different world. Um, I just did it because I liked it. Right. And I didn't charge people very much. I maybe charged them like, I don't know, a dollar fifty or $2 a cookie wow. um, because mine were at the level of like, if you look at, there's some amazing cookie decorators out there. Um, <laughs> I was mainly just doing it for like my friends and family who wanted like some cute cookies to have at their baby shower at a birthday party. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like anything, you know, big, but people did, you know, pay me a little bit for it, which was nice. But, you know, the problem with that was for me, like, I really enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed doing it. I just didn't have the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like I work a full day, I drive an hour home, And then I'd have like three dozen cookies to like do some of the decorating on at night. So like literally I'd be sitting at the kitchen table, like trying to decorate cookies and, you know, it just time because of the time constraints, it just wasn't really possible. Um, I do love how you bring up a good point about a lot of people who are 
peak performers in certain areas, they may not be challenged like with creativity. So with your job, you're using your brain, you're using your skills, but you have to have an outlet for creativity too. So whether that's through making cookies or knitting when you get off work, I think it's so good to activate that part of your brain too. Yeah. Yeah. And like the cookie thing was great. I mean, I, I haven't made any in a long time. I should probably like make some. I still have all this stuff. <laughs> I should probably make some just to make sure I can still do it. But um, yeah, and then, you know, I guess that got me to a point where I was, you know, I really enjoyed the cookies, but it wasn't, it still wasn't like the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, was at a point where I was stressed out at work, you know, the commute was getting to me. You had you know, a one hour commute each way. Yeah, each way. So two each hours day. of my day, every day is just in the car. Thankfully, wow. there's podcasts I can listen to, but <laughs> um, I would be, you know, poking my eyes out. But in most, some days I am. My longest commute ever, you know, it's Michigan, it snows. So and then you're yeah. driving an hour. My longest commute ever, I think, was like two hours and 45 minutes oh because gosh. of snow and accidents. And it was terrible. Um, that's beside the point, but that, that's probably like my record. So yeah, so I was just, looking for the thing, like you're I was still, still, yeah, still looking for the thing. Um, I was, you know, the heaviest I'd ever been. I just, you know, my confidence was kind of lacking. I had like devoted all of my energy to my job, um, and a little bit to this cookie making kind of hobby I had, and I just wasn't happy with where I was. Um, so I, finally got out of my own way and asked for help. And I hired a nutrition coach because I was like, I want to lose this weight. Like I shouldn't be at the weight I am. I was starting to like get to a point where I was going to hit like a new number. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah, we're not going, we're not going there. We're just not going there. Um, so I hired somebody, um, as a nutrition coach and about three, three months into the process, I was like, yeah, I could, I could see myself doing this coaching kind of comes naturally to me from my history with basketball, I coached in the past. I'm like, it's a way to help people. It's like what I like to do. So yeah, like that kind of was the initial spark. So I got my coaching certification and, you know, I've been coaching clients now for about a year. Oh, that's cool. Did you decide, so I'm picturing you with your nutrition coach and whatever she or he was telling you, were you just like, yes, yeah, like getting into it. And it was like sparking your enthusiasm and yeah. Yeah. It was, that was me. So she was, she was great. Um, and I just, you know, I fell in love with the process. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I saw like how quickly I changed and how quickly, like not, not even physically, but more like my mindset, how quickly I changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I started feeling better pretty quickly. I was showing up for myself. Like I was actually making myself a priority for once in my mm-hmm. life, which yeah. Um, was kind of one of these recurring themes, right? In my mm-hmm. life is always doing what's expected and kind of put your own wants at the, at the back burner. Yeah. Um, so I finally, you know, got to the point where it's like, yeah, this, this is it. This is what I, this is what I can see myself doing. And so did you go through some self-doubt with that or you were like all in, this is what I want to do. Did you know it was like the thing you got in the zone and. Um, of course there's doubts. I mean, I think if you don't have doubts that, I don't know. I mean, some people don't have doubts. I think some people don't, but 
you know, you always, I always question myself. I think that's just part of, um, it's part of the process, but at the, at the same time, you know, if I don't go through this, if I don't, you know, try this, you know, maybe this isn't the thing, maybe this isn't my end thing. It's my thing right now. Right. Um, this is what feels most right. This is what feels most aligned with Mm -hmm. myself and where I want to go. Um, but yeah, of course I had, I had fears. Yeah. It, I describe it as when you find your thing, even if it's not your forever thing, you sort of feel that, like, I feel a zing of excitement and I just want to devour all the information I can find about it. And I dive headfirst in and I want to talk to all my friends about it. And, and you're start, you started a podcast with a friend about this very subject about yeah nutrition and functional medicine. And yeah, so, um, so I've been kind of working on my own as a nutrition coach, working with mainly women. I've worked with a couple of men, but prefer working with women um, you know, who are looking to stop dieting, like finally feel comfortable in their bodies, like go through that whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have recently teamed up with um, Jen Rice. She's also a PA and she's trained in functional medicine. And we kind of, we feel that there's a lot of, not even just healthcare providers, but there's a lot of women out there who, you know, we put ourselves in the back burner right? Mm-hmm. And then we end up paying the price and wondering why we don't feel good, why we're tired all the time, why we have this extra weight, like, you know, maybe there's this like void or this like lack of fulfillment or lack of purpose or something that you're feeling. Yeah. Um, because we both went through that, right? Um, like we have a little bit different stories, but kind of the same at the same time. Um, so yeah, we started a podcast called Functionally Fit. Um, so we kind of cover functional medicine topics, like what you can do to start healing yourself from within, mm-hmm. um, mindset. I'm, I'm kind of more in like the mindset and like the coaching realm and she kind of brings the sciencey background into it. So it's a, it's a really good kind of mix of, of topics. Yeah. Y'all are a good fit. I listened to the first episode and I love how you are big into affirmations I love affirmations and they really sound so woo woo. And at first you're going to think, why am I lying to myself or why am I faking it? But do you mind <laughs> telling what your affirmation, one of your affirmations? Yeah. Yeah. No problem. I, yeah. Affirmations are huge. Um, I can't stress that enough. And it's one, I think I do more mindset work with my clients than mm-hmm. actual food work. We all think it's about the food, right? But the food is just a choice that we make. And that comes from something that's going on inside of us, right? So if we don't fix what's going on inside, we're never going to fix the outside. Mm -hmm. And often we have it backwards. So that's kind of like my whole like philosophy when it comes to coaching, right? Like think of why diets fail, like diets fail because I just tell you like, oh, you can eat these like five things or whatever. And they don't do anything on the inside. So when you're done, you just go back to doing what you did before anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, affirmations are huge. And like you, I did not want to do them in the beginning. When I started my own journey, you feel weird saying them to yourself. Um, but we really do. We have the power to change our thoughts. And then when we can change our thoughts, we can change what we believe about ourselves. And guess what? Your actions and your choices are based on your beliefs and those yes. thoughts, right? Um, 
and our habits and our habits that we don't even think about. So my, my affirmation that I say to myself is I am a strong, confident, beautiful woman who shows up for herself and her dreams every single day. I know that the universe has my back and it's working in my favor. Oh, I love that. So, that is it's so powerful. Yeah. And even if you don't believe it at first, the choices that you make throughout your day will be reflective of that mantra. So if you think you're a powerful woman, if you think you're capable of making good choices for yourself, then you are going to. Yeah. I mean, setting your intention for the day. I mean, we could get into a whole another like a whole another like mm-hmm. mindset talk here, but our mind is is way more powerful than we we give it credit for, right? It's you know, you actually it's you know, you're producing energy, right? So it has like an energetic field. So if you're telling yourself, you know, things that are low energy, like, oh, that you suck or that you're a failure or you're never going to lose the weight or, you know, whatever it is, that's what you're going to live out, right? Because your brain Mm -hmm. is always going to try to solve the problem. Yeah. Oh, you're right. If you're, if you don't change that and start saying like, you know, I show up for myself, I show up for my goals or, you know, I, I, um, I eat like fruits and vegetables at every meal. That sounds really dumb to say, but like, guess what? If you tell yourself that your brain is going to like, you're going to start doing that because Mm -hmm. you're you're already setting that into, into your, like into your pattern. Um, so. Yeah. I, one of mine was, um, I am in the most awesome shape of my life or I'm the healthiest I've ever been. And, you know, I made choices to reflect that even when I didn't want to, exactly. um, because I, I believe I started believing it and that led yeah. to different actions. So yeah, it works. Think, I'm telling you, it works. It sounds super crazy, but it works. Yeah. And yeah, we'll definitely have you back on for mindset for a mindset talk. What do you see um, as far as your journey? What do you see on the horizon? Mm, that's a good question. I see a lot of things on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, are you talking like short term, long term? What what are we? Talking? You can do both. So yeah, short term, long term. Do you see any okay. anything exciting you want to share? Yeah. So short term, I'm in the process of transitioning jobs. Um, so the, the new job I'm transitioning to will be more aligned with allowing me to, you know, work on the coaching and the business that I'm, you know, growing, um, and the business that I'm growing with Jen too. So, so yeah, that will be good. Um, yeah, we have a lot of things kind of planned, you know, we're really excited about the podcast. Um, we're starting a coaching membership. Um, and, you know, the goal is to, to grow the business and impact a lot of, a lot of people. Um, that's kind of our goal. Cause we, like that. We, don't, we don't want people. I mean, I don't want people, I'm, I can't really speak for Jen, but I know she would say the same thing. It's like, we don't want people to feel like they're stuck and to feel like, you know, that, they can't change and live the life that they want, you know, Um, whether that's for health, whether that's for, you know, anything, but we're only given one wild and precious life y'all. So (laughs) (laughs) mine mine for sure has been wild. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, yeah, I think I've like, I like to say, I did a post on Instagram the other day. It's like, I've skirted the grim reaper twice. Um, The first was I almost died in a house. Well, I didn't almost die, but I was in the ICU for five days after a house fire in college. 
Wow. And um, so that was number one. And then number two was the breast cancer thing. So I feel like I'm on my third life. Yeah. So like this one, I'm like finally at the point where I'm like, I better like make the most out of this thing. You better bring it. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't have many more, I don't have many more lives to go. Yeah. Leslie, do you, you mentioned long-term goals. Um, you know, some people are like, no, I want to focus on the present and, you know, just the next step in front of me. I, I had one of my strengths on the strength finder thing was futuristic. So I'm always like big picture, do a vision board. Mm-hmm. What, what about you? Are you I, you know, I have a hard time with big picture stuff, but I do have some goals, right? I do have, I do have some longer term goals. Um, One of them would be, you know, have the option to work part-time or not work at all as a PA if I choose Yeah. Um, and have like, you know, I love being, I love being an entrepreneur. It's scary. It's hard, um, Mm -hmm. but it's very rewarding to kind of have something that you've built. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to, to grow, you know, to grow the business, the coaching business to a point where I have that option would be amazing. Um, I see myself in a couple of years moving out of state, like that's kind of always been the plan. So yeah. like three, three, four year plan is like, sell this house that we built and like go somewhere. Um, yeah. Don't know where yet. Right now, Arizona is kind of top on the list, but that might change. <laughs> somewhere where they don't have snow. Yeah. You know, and it's like nasty weather. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I do have some goals. I, I just have a hard time, which Jen is really good at, which would, we make a good partnership for that. Like, I'm very like, you know, what do I have to do like right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, she's got all these like big, huge ideas. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I would never even thought of that. So it, it's kind of cool that we kind of balance each other out that way. That is cool. I can't wait to see what y'all do with the business. Where can people find y'all or, or find you if they want to sign up for coaching? Yeah. So um, our podcast is called Functionally Fit with Jen and Leslie. It's on like all the podcast places, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever mm-hmm. you listen to podcasts, you can find it. Um, I'm on Instagram at Leslie Crowley Coaching. Um, and then Jen is, um, hers is Jen Rice PA on Instagram. And then we also have a Facebook group. So, um, the Facebook group right now is called Ascent Wellness. Um, so we are in there as well. So I'm on Instagram most of the time. That's where you'll find me kind of jamming out. Um, Jen's more the Facebook world. So we're kind of like, again, like (laughs) balancing each other out pretty well there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm most active on Instagram. So if you, you know, slide into my messages, I would love to chat, um, all the things, right. Whether it's food, cooking, kitchen hacks, mindset, like weight yeah. loss, I don't, you know, all the things I'm, I'm down for it. I'll put y'all y'all's information on the show notes. Yeah, that'd be great. And yeah. thank you so much for being open and just sharing your story and all the bumps in the road that you've experienced. Yeah, I it's quite the story, but it's mine and I own it. Um, so yeah, thanks for having me on. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast, Recharting Your Life with Hope. Everything I discuss in this show reflects my own views and opinions and not those of my employer. Although I'm a physician assistant in my real life, any advice or tips you hear on this show should not be used as medical advice. 
If you like what you hear, come on over to HopeThePA.com or follow me on Instagram at HopeThePA.